0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Sauce Report. I am blessed to be here with uh, a very special interview with Dean Simone. Uh, he is an actor and he's a, a, a devout Christian uh, man that's after God's own heart. And before we get to introduce him and before he comes on, we're going to allow us to dive into the word of prayer quick. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that Dean can join us for a very uh, sit down exclusive and allow him to impact somebody's life that might be going through something that just might hear words of encouragement, Lord. So we just pray that uh, Dean may have the words of encouragement to touch somebody's heart and that they are, that, to tell them that they're not alone and that they're loved as just like we are loved, Lord. May you guide this conversation as it may be uh, worthy of your blessing. And we just thank you for this day. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, welcome to the show, Dean. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Sauce. So let's start off. So my question is, uh, what movies did you like? What movies? So if anyone were to like uh, look you up,
1: what movies would they find you in? Oh gosh, I've done I've done quite a few over the years. Um, recently, uh, and what I love everybody to check out if they if they can is my my film Game Day, which I co-wrote and co-produced. Um, it's on Tubi and uh, Plex and Apple Plus. It's called Game Day, and I'm uh, very 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 proud of it. It deals very uh, honestly and explicitly with um, families and the difficulties in families and things that can arise. And uh, I really recommend it and I'm very, very proud of it. And I've done many, many years of, of started doing television way back in the day, doing shows like Facts of Life and then all the way up to NYPD Blue. And I've worked with some just amazing, incredibly talented people from John Boy to Mickey Rourke. And I've just been so blessed to be able to work with just some great great people over the years and to make a living at this uh is really a it is a blessing and i i love what i do so amen so amen. my qu- so
0: my question for you is how mm-hmm. did you ever find christ like what was your what's your like uh, uh pretty much some people say what's your three-minute testimony so if somebody would come up to you and ask you how did you find jesus or how did you start a relationship with him did you go up in a household uh, did you grow up in a Christian household, or let's get a little bit of background on that.
1: Well, I grew up uh, in a devoutly Catholic household, Italian-American household. Okay. And I did what all young Italian Catholics do, doing all the things that, that you know, you do growing, growing up in that world, being First Holy Communion, and took it all the way up to Confirmation, and got into high school and really decided that I was doing sports and interested in girls and playing guitar. And I just thought, you know, I don't want to get confirmed. And I, I really regret doing that. So I've always spent my entire life uh, definitely deeply into Jesus, always considered myself a devout Christian and I decided when I turned 50 years old that I was going to get confirmed because I, I missed out on that boat when I was in high school. So I went out and I got confirmed. And I, even though I wasn't confirmed for all those years, I still went to church every single week, yeah. was deeply involved. I take it very, very seriously, Sauce. I read Bible Passages and 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 verses, pretty much a chapter a day. Yep, I pray quite often. <laughs> Amen uh, to that. I definitely put my life in God's hands always, and devote my life as much as I humanly can to to the Lord, and try to see what it is that He wants from me. I make mistakes many, many times. <laughs> I fall yep. short quite often. uh, I understand what Christ's sacrifice was to us and for us. And I know that that is a, that helps us deal with the fact that we are sinners and it helps us be forgiven for our sins. And I fully believe and buy into every single aspect of that. And I also believe That Jesus's teachings are as vital as important and as inflammatory today as they were when he taught them 2000 years ago. Amen to that. So how did you. So my question is, when you had those rough days,
0: how did you still maintain a relationship with Jesus?
1: Well, sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I feel like I, I I failed, and I always feel like any good father, he was there waiting for me to get through my failings and get mm-hmm. through my down times and come around. And I always felt, and I feel to this day, Sauce, right now, there's times when I feel like my back is completely against the wall, and I'm not sure where things are going to go. And I uh, find that the one advantage in being in those places is even though we f- we feel as Christians that we always turn it over to God, when you are in those places, you most certainly are more keenly aware of how you have to turn it over to God. Is Amen. Here. And so I find myself, when life is difficult and there are obstacles, it is the greatest of blessings because it really does focus us in much more so on whose will this is, on whose show this is, on how this is supposed to be done, and letting go and letting God is, without a shadow of a doubt, the most important thing that we can do. And also getting the good news out there and letting people know that we believe in Christ, and we believe in the things that Jesus taught, and we believe in Jesus as well.
0: Amen. Amen. So what, so what advice do you give to someone that's on defense? you know, that's stating, you know what, I've, I'm a bad, like, you know, for instance, I did a, I did a very special episode last night. Um, I don't know if you checked it out or not, but it was my plea out to, it was our pleading out to God episode. So it was like, a, it, was a, it was about 18 minutes worth of just crying out to God, giving everything else unto God. What do you, what advice do you give to somebody? that is on the fence stating, you know what, Dean, I messed up so many times. I don't think God is going to love me because I've done this. I've done, the list can go on. I don't think, I don't think I'm lovable. You know, what do you, what advice do you give that to the individuals that have that kind of mentality?
1: Well, I, I don't have any personal advice, but I'll quote what Christ said. Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thought, as, as you love thyself. Now, a lot of people look at that and they say, love thy neighbor. You know, we're all taught to love our neighbor. We're all taught that that's the thing to do. Okay. But do we realize that we're supposed to love ourselves as well and be kind to ourselves and understand that all of those things that we're talking about in terms of self-forgiveness and understanding that Jesus has paid that price for us so that we can forgive ourselves because we are forgiven through Christ. And I think that if someone is sitting on that fence, my advice would be sit on that fence, feel the pain of being on that fence. (laughs) It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Don't run from it. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to um, think that drugs or alcohol or sex or anything that you could possibly look at is going to make that go away, but sit in it and feel it and know the pain of it and i believe that that's when the holy spirit works in us and that's when i believe that we uh, find our closest route to god and we can really understand what we need to do we know what we need to do we know what's out there but yep. so much in this society we're so it's we're, we're so loath to feel pain we're so loath to feel discomfort we're so lo- loath to feel uncertainty and i uh, we have to feel those things because The only way that that there is certainty, there's only way that there is peace is through Christ and through a relationship to God. So I would tell people that are feeling that, feel it, go through it, go in it, be with it and open your heart up to God. Open your heart up and don't be afraid to say, I can't do this. I need you. I have to let this go now. I have to let this go to you. I'm, I'm placing it at your perfect feet and i'm asking you to please help me help me get through this amen so you
0: accepted so you had um so you maintained a relationship through god um throughout high school and what um did you play any sports in
1: college and what college did you go to I did not play sports in college. I was really brokenhearted by the fact that sports didn't happen for me. I I really spent my entire youth geared to playing sports. I was a really good athlete, especially as a younger guy up through high school. And then people started getting bigger and (laughs) I didn't get bigger. It started getting faster and I didn't get faster. And I saw my hopes and my dreams sort of eroding there but then again the flip side of it is is I started playing guitar when I was six years old literally and I absolutely have a love and affinity for music beyond words and also I, I started writing when I was a child like just writing was such a big part of my life and then when I got into high school I had this phenomenal teacher Mr. Hildebrand who put me in the school play and said look I think you can do this but if if you're going to do it. You've got to commit. And I committed and I really discovered how much I adore acting. And as has been the case with everything sauce. I mean, every time I think that I'm uh, in a place where I don't know where to go and I accept the fact that I don't know where to go, whether it's by my decision or by design, when I have to turn it over, the answers always present themselves to me, even if they're answers that I don't necessarily want to go with. I do know that those answers have always been presented to me. And every time my back has been against the wall, God has always, always pulled me through. And my belief has has served me only because God gave me that belief. And I was open to the gift of belief that he gave me. Amen. Well, so what got,
0: so then, so the school plays when one that you said, okay, you know what? I love to act. Now, mm-hmm. were you ever in choir in high school or in middle school?
1: Uh, no, I was in choir in, uh, <laughs> I was in choir in elementary school oh. and I was such and just such a difficult, defiant kid that I was always getting in trouble. As a young guy, I was getting in fights all the time. Oh. It definitely was just a, a real pain in the rear end, man. And I, I think that what ended up happening for me was my belief in, in music of what I what I wanted to do was always like about rock, you know, it's about rock yeah. and roll. That, that's like where my heart was at and what I wanted to do. So by the time I got to high school and I did start to see that, my hopes and dreams in sports were really starting to wind down. I had a really bad injury in baseball. I adored baseball, and then, I, but I was a catcher and I really couldn't play any other position. And then my thumb, I just got severe nerve damage that was just something that they really couldn't do anything about, at least not in, at that time in medicine in the uh, 70s and early 80s. So at that point, I had to give up on every sport that meant something to me. So I really started doubling down on music and playing in bands in high school. And I was playing in bands in high school and just completely getting into that world. And then acting came along and I also jumped into that world and I was very blessed sauce. You know, I always found I was really went from doing a school play to being on national television within two years. That's, that's a, that's a big blessing, but yeah, So you know, I, I wasn't, I really wasn't ready for it sauce. I was, yeah. I was a young person that got married young. It was a very difficult marriage, uh, had two beautiful sons that came out of it. We stayed together for a very long time, but it ended up not being what either one of us could could deal with. So when I was a younger person, I was doing that. I turned to drugs for a while, didn't do them for a long time, but certainly tried that. Uh, wasn't for me. Thank God I never got addicted.
0: Yes, amen
1: to that. Up and down the food chain of success. Some years I was making a living as an artist. I had record deals. I lost record deals. I had major agents like William Morris that I was with and doing work and having incredible success sometimes and having miserable failure. And I just realized as you go up and down, that constant up and down all the time, that there really is only – one truth. And that truth is God and our relationship to God and letting ourselves go to that. And it took me, even though I stayed in the game, you know, I went to church, I prayed, I was there, but I wasn't committed. Like I really feel like I wanted to be. And when I hit 50, I was, I I was ready to make that commitment in, in the way that I felt was right. Yeah. I still seem like crazy and I still mess up and I still have a million things to learn from. But and- don't we all mess up though? Like I mess oh. up like, I messed up like 20 minutes ago before we did our
0: interview, I messed up. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and it's like, even before I get out of bed, even like in my sleep, I mess up in, even in my sleep, you know, when our minds wander, when it's not supposed to and stuff. Yeah. That's, that's so,
1: exactly so it. So no. you
0: graduated college and what was the first big movie or TV gig that you had? Like was what was the big thing and what made and what prepared you to make
1: it through like the ups and downs
0: of the movie industry? Like what?
1: Well, I didn't go to college. Actually, I went to the American Academy. I, I, I had auditioned for the American Academy of, or excuse me. I take that back. I, I auditioned for Cal arts, uh, Juilliard, Carnegie Mellon. And there was one other one in, in those days. You would audition for all of them at once. Okay. And, Prepare a couple monologues. One a classical monologue like Shakespeare. One a one a modern one. I went to San Francisco at uh, ACT up there, and I auditioned uh, for all of those schools. I got accepted in Juilliard. I got accepted in Cal Arts, and Man. there was one other one. And I, and I was like, not sure I really wanted to com- commit to going to. First of all, I wasn't sure I wanted to go to New York, even though I'm from Philly. I was living in L.A. and I wasn't sure I really wanted to go to New York. So anyway, long story made less longer. I decided I'm going to just go to L.A. and go to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I had heard some good things. I heard it was very practical Mm -hmm. and uh, went there, got in it and did well in my first year, but started to get work. As an actor, I I've I been in a, a repertory company in San Diego, the San Diego Rep, which is a very good theater down there. And I started getting noticed and I ended up getting signed to William Morris and doing a, a, a bunch of television shows, Facts of Life. Uh, it Takes Two was actually the first television show. I did these crazy shows like Crime in America, Counterattack and Footsteps on PBS and just a ton of these shows that were around in the 80s. Yeah. yeah, I definitely got the bug and started to really uh, get close on some very big roles. Uh, William Morris got me some amazing auditions, and I was getting right down to the wire and not getting some. The things I were was getting would make a lot of people super happy. But when you're with William Morris, I was at the time competing with Sean Penn and Tom Cruise. Yeah. And, uh, they were, you know, doing much better than I was doing. They were yeah. getting parts. I wasn't. Timothy Hutton. I'm just trying to think of all the people that were up and around at that point. And it really uh, started to get difficult. And so the up and down cycle started to begin. And also I was also playing in bands at that point and playing in on the Sunset Strip and, and going out there and, and really living this, this crazy life and, and having a son uh, it, married trying to make it all work and i really realized at a certain point it was more than i could handle and i definitely think that i rode that ride for everything that it was worth yeah what was your favorite so what okay
0: so out of the movies that you uh not the tv show out of the tv shows that you mentioned which one was your favorite to film on hmm. And which one wasn't which one was actually now which one which was your favorite and which one was the most difficult one
1: There's been so many that I would say uh, that I love honored to be on. Well, NYPD Blue was just a phenomenal series with phenomenal people and phenomenal actors. And I loved the series before I even was on it. So I was really, really thrilled to be on that. I just did one recently, which I really can't talk too much about. I can tell you what it is i can't tell you anything about the role or go too much into depth about it but i did a, a winning time and i just thought that was amazing just amazing people and it was just an absolute thrill and then the third thing was actually not a television show or a movie even though i've done so many of those and had a chance to really like i say work with incredible people i'll tell you another story about a a, a a tv show called goliath that billy bob thornton is on and I'll, and that could have been an amazing thing nothing against those people but i'll tell you what ended up happening with that but the third thing that i really loved being a part of was being a jim beam on the jim beam ads and doing those that that commercial which ended up being a couple commercials just amazing people it was wait amazing. like Jimmy Dean like Jimmy Jim Dean, Beam, the uh, the uh, bourbon Jim Beam. I was Jim Beam for a couple of years not that long ago just just a couple of years ago that was just amazing and it was just oh, that's cool. Hoyt man Hoinema and um, just incredible people uh, John uh, Hillcoat, who's a phenomenal director and producer and writer who's involved with Black Mirror and a lot of those shows. So that was a really high level of, of, of people that, that I was dealing with on that. But I would say uh, there are so many experiences that have been great. And I've had a chance to work with so many great actors that we'd be talking for hours if I could tell you every <laughs> great experience that I had. I did have, for your listeners out there, just to let you know them know how difficult this business can be. Uh, not that many years ago, whenever the first season was of Goliath, I I got cast in the very first episode of the very first Goliath. Fantastic uh, casting directors involved in that, and uh, completely great crew and, and and shot you know at at the studio. And I was so excited. I was playing a CEO that was involved in a hostile takeover of his company, and I was. Giving this uh, speech to the board, and I'll never forget this. It was like I still hadn't gotten the script, and because it's David Kelly, and they're you know on these scripts, they're very protective of. They don't want them getting out there. They don't want people seeing them beforehand. So I hadn't gotten the script yet. It was Wednesday, and I was shooting on Friday. So I called my agent. And I'm like, "What's happening?" So she said, yeah, you should have gotten the script. Let's see what's going on. So anyway, they sent me the script and it was dense. It was all kinds of dialogue. And I'm not as great at memorizing things as I used to be. And so I was really worried. Yeah. praying about it, saying, dear Lord, how am I going to do this? So anyway, we got in there. I, I called my agent. I said, gosh, I don't think I can memorize all this in a couple of days. And she said, yeah, it does seem like a lot. Let me call them. Let me see what's up. So basically, it was like, don't worry about it. You're giving a presentation to a board, and you'll be looking on a sheet of paper actually reading this presentation to the oh. board. So I'm like, okay, great. And I just had to memorize certain things, but yeah. I was able to read other stuff. Don't we get in there? Actually, we filmed it at the at the new William Morris in uh, right there in Beverly Hills. We get in there, Sauce, and we do a couple takes, and the director it was like <laughs> i want you to just do this don't look at the don't look at this sheet like you you know this report and I, it was one of the most difficult embarrassing hard situations <laughs> that ever happened so when when i was the first shot of the first goliath and basically i ended up being just a blurb on the screen so that is the nature of our business is that you just have to keep rocking and keep praying and keep knowing that God has something in mind for you. And sometimes it's not always as easy a path as you you would hope. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So what did a typical day look for
0: you then? Like what does a typical day look as a movie actor? So you get up and what time does it normally, when do you normally start filming or like start filming? Oh, wow. That's a really good
1: question. And it changes uh, quite a bit. Constantly, I would think. Yeah. It's always something different sauce. Sometimes, cool. you know, I'm a, I'm an avid runner. I run like eight to 10 miles every day. Kudos um, to you. I used to be yeah, running myself. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, you talk about an addiction running is an addiction you know, you really get hooked into doing it and you don't feel right unless you do it. So yeah, yeah. pointing to your, towards your question, sometimes you have, like I did a uh, commercial on Saturday and I had to be in, I live in, Pasadena area. I had to be in Long Beach at 730 in the morning. So I was up literally running in the dark at four o'clock so that I could get done and, and get to my shoot on time. Sometimes you you have to be there at seven. They, they want to catch a shot first thing in the morning. Sometimes your call times can vary throughout the day, depending on how much they need you in the day. So it really, it there's no set There's no set thing to it. You know, you get cast in something like, say, uh, as an example, if you get cast in, in a major commercial, so say we're shooting the commercial on Friday. So generally, maybe Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, you go in, you do the wardrobe. They try a bunch of stuff on you. They figure out a couple of options. That's wardrobe. Then you show up to the set. They've got your wardrobe set up. You do the job. Not dissimilar when you're doing television or you're doing movies, depending on the role. If you're doing a lead in a, in a film, that's different. There's all kind of what you're going to wear on this day, what you're going to wear on that day, how that's going to be. But otherwise, if you're just on it for a day or two, it's almost exactly the same as a commercial in that you have a wardrobe day, you show up, and you do it. And that's and that's the gig. And it's that's- a It's a beautiful gig. I love it. I love the excitement of doing it. I actually like to audition. Now, the audition process is quite a bit different than it used to be, Sauce. The audition process now, because post-COVID or during COVID has become, you shoot your auditions at home. They're self-taped auditions that you shoot at home. And then you send the tape in and they if they like you, they call you back. Callbacks are usually done on Zoom or something equivalent to Zoom. And then you book it. Then they put you on a thing called a veil. A veil okay. is other actors that are listening to me out there. Or if you're an actor sauce, you know what it is. A veil is like, you have to be available for this date, and they want you to hold the date. And most of the time, if they decide not to use you, they do this thing called releasing you. So you get released at some point and you're like, ah, oh, I didn't get the gig. That sucks. Or rarely, but sometimes they don't even let you know whether you got it or not. And it just goes past the date and it's like, oh, well, it sucks being you. You don't get it. Or wow. you book it and they call you up and they say, we'd like to book your client. And your agent calls you and says, oh, you book blah, 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 blah. So those are the cycles. That we all, as modern actors, go through. If our name is not Tom Cruise, or our name is is not Pete Davidson, or you know anybody who's either an older hotter actor or a younger hotter actor, it doesn't matter. This is if we're not one of those guys. This is our reality. This is the working actor's reality. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a,
0: a lot. A very interesting perspective. So, a, a very interesting perspective on behind the scenes of. The movie aspect and even tv shows <clears throat> so then so what was it like during covet like i know you had to film. like did you guys film anything like during covet or what was it like did you have to do everything through zoom and how's what was it what was it like before zoom like before covet how did you audition before COVID?
1: okay uh, I'll 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 try to keep that brief but i'll give you a general oversight generally the way it was and i've been very very blessed first of all i have really good representatives that really um take care of me. And I've always been, especially as of maybe the last 10 years, I've always uh, had a lot of auditions. I've been blessed with a lot of auditions and it's definitely a numbers game. So my week would generally go anywhere between one to three auditions per day around Los Angeles, Burbank, LA, West LA, Hollywood, like any of those areas. And then I would, you know, go to my auditions, you know, trying to make them all make the times work. I have quite a bit of different agents. I have a manager. I have a theatrical agent. I have a commercial agent. I have a print for modeling agent in Orange County. I have one in Los, up here in LA. I have an agent in Utah. I have an agent in Atlanta. So I have agents all over. So you're going out for different agents for different things. You can't have the same agent for the same thing. That's not ethical, but you can have agents for different things. So my day would be going anywhere from one to three auditions and callbacks meaning that you all of it's in person mm-hmm. and it's all over the city so you're going to the different places doing that and then you book and the days you book then great you book and you book out you let all your agents know hey i'm um, unavailable i'm working on these days so that's basically life pre-covid i just explained to you what life was during and yeah and Yes. And to answer your question, I was very blessed to continue to work during COVID. I I still booked quite a few things. I had quite a few commercials running, some really big ones. At one point, just a few months ago, I had four commercials running at the same time, and a couple of them were were filmed during COVID. Uh, Game Day, the movie that was a Beyond a blessing to work with all these great people like Pete Pastiglione and Val McAdoo and, of course, Edgar Bravo, who was the co-writer and director on it, and John Paul Rice, including that great cast that we were fortunate enough and blessed enough to have. We filmed all of that right in the middle of COVID. Wow. So we uh, had a test and had to make sure we were okay. And everybody, nobody got COVID on the entire shoot. And the, the whole shoot lasted a little over three weeks, including rehearsal, and wow. we were really eyeball-to-eyeball eyeball working our butts off, and none of us got it. Thank you, Lord. So that? Because it was such a small budget, and every day was so precious, Sauce, that if any of us, and all of us, it was so, everyone was essential on the crew, in the cast. If any of us would have come down with it, it would have really shot the whole thing down and we got completely blessed and we got through it without any of that going down. So we did that. I was very, very fortunate to to, to bless, bless do a lot of different commercials during the time. The only one that didn't work out was I was supposed to be, which I can't say what the company was, but I was supposed to be the spokesperson for a fairly good sized insurance company. And I was set to film, Four commercials in Florida, and that was when Florida was really, really raging with, with it going on. I have two older parents who live with me uh, that are in their 80s, put one pushing 90. They both have Parkinson's. Healthy, you know, mm. they're doing great, and they're very vital together people, but yeah. they were very concerned about getting COVID, and it was a very difficult decision to make, but I had to turn the commercial down it's very hard to turn down a spokesperson role like that. It was a good sum of money and it was very difficult, but it was the right move because it was making them uncomfortable. And I prayed about it and that's where the Lord took me. And I am a firm believer that you pray, you make your decision based on your prayer and you never look back or never doubt it because it is whatever the decision is, whatever, as long as we've prayed and put our hearts in the right place, whatever that decision is that is the decision that we are meant to do that is the decision that God wants us to do and I'm not a second guesser and I always feel like everything happens for the reason amen. For the reason and God is that reason so, amen so so then you know as so
0: for instance a movie comes out like this game day uh that that you filmed and that most previously Mm -hmm. What was it like? So what does a movie premiere look like? You know, from a Hollywood aspect, like Mm -hmm. from a movie actor, what does it look like? Like, do you get the red carpet treatment? Do you get like cameras in your face? Or do you guys go for a private screening? Or what's that look like?
1: Well, I'm no star, you know, I'm just a Hollywood working actor. So I, I don't have that kind of thing happen for me. You know, it's funny, I, I am a blessed to be a working actor. And I do work a lot. And I and I really have been so blessed about that. But in terms of like showing up on the red carpet, you know, when we did game day, that was one of my favorite premieres we ever did. You know, we shot in Philly, which is my hometown where, you know, I root for all the Philadelphia teams and I'm from Philly originally. And we filmed it there. And the premiere was there right outside in uh, in Westchester. And it was such a beautiful night sauce. It was such a just a great night my wife had never been to philly other than when we were filming and a couple times for me to go back to do the business there of the movie she fell in love with philly and we, st- we we're very adamant about trying to work and have a second house mm-hmm. back there as well we did the we did the uh premiere almost a year ago and it was just great cole Cold, incredibly cold, uh, in this really neat theater in Westchester. And it was all kinds of people from Philly. There was Philly Press there and all the people involved with the film, in, in and around the film. And it was just a great experience. It was absolutely my, not just because it was a film that I co-wrote and I was co-starred in and was definitely one of on a ground level with, but just because it was such a labor of love and such a blessing to see all those people and we had hundreds of people at the at the premiere and it was really neat it was just a great experience so that was my favorite for i guess personal reasons and i'm very proud of the movie as well but wow. you know today's in today's world also unless you're doing the new top gun mm-hmm. the, the the world of premiering in that thing is very different streaming is so important now so even though the film premiered in that it was cut and done and we showed it to people publicly in November. You know, it really didn't get picked up on a major platform until it just really dropped about a month and a half ago, two months ago, even if that on Tubi and on Plex and on Apple Plus and those different streaming platforms that people can really see it. So I almost feel like there's a physical premiere and then there is really basically the, the cyber premiere, the premiere that really now makes most of the difference in the world. So really we're kind of newly premiered on Tubi, and it's and it's it's a new thing for people to go out and see. So, you know, it's different than it used to be, Sauce. It used to be yeah. like, you make it. it's in the movies, it's in the movies for a little while, and then once DV or DV tape came along, then they do a re-release when the tape came out, and then it was HBO or DVDs now it's an entirely different world so it's 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 uh quite a bit different and i'm no celebrity so people aren't like you know flocking to snap (laughs) at uh at those things and and that's fine i'm 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 enjoying making a living as an actor and i'm still a person who can be anonymous yeah well you're special and you're an actor i mean you're
0: famous as somebody you're like you're you're I mean, your family thinks of, I mean, you have close friends that are, like, just proud of you, and uh, just hearing you and stuff, I feel proud of you and your accomplishments. So, thanks, oh, thanks. absolutely, and, you know, it's, it's fantastic having a wonderful guest um, from a different perspective, from a different light, uh, because I have authors on my show, and I think this is a great start to having, like, even actors. So, so then, question that kind of has been rolling in my head. So I'm guessing, are you rooting for the Phillies to win?
1: Oh yes, <laughs> we know it last night. I've been nothing, covered, now. That. Yes, I'm a fact yeah. massive... Tonight we're in a real conundrum because the Eagles are on and the Phillies are on at the exact same time, and we are massive fans of all Philly sports. Are so you guys this... in Philly? Are you guys in Philly right now? No, we're we, we live in Los Angeles, but my parents live with us. And my children, uh, are who are grown, my youngest is 15, but we all get together to watch the games. Not unlike game day, very similar to, to game day. And uh, and I do want to say something about that before we we sign off. I want to go back to saying something because I I do want to explain something to a lot of our audience out there. But no, I will no, stress we're we are we are gigantically into the games. It's intense. My children, even though they were born in Los Angeles, are all diehard Philly fans as well. So this game experience is a multi generational, insane, incredible, life affirming, life wrenching experience that we go through every single game. So we're real proud of the Eagles too. The Eagles are seven and zero. Yeah, they're uh, in the World Series. So it's a yeah. great fun to be a Philly fan.
0: Yeah, who do the uh, what team do the Eagles play tonight?
1: The Eagles are playing. the – Can you believe the Eagles are playing the Houston Texans tonight? So yeah, the, no, the Eagles are going to be eight and zero. Yeah, so the, I hope so. We'll see, but it's Houston uh, in the in football and Houston in baseball right now. So, but I love this Eagle team. I I just love Jalen Hurts. I love our coach. I think the players are just such top notch, hard working, incredibly gifted players, and I just. I love the team. I have super, super high hopes for the team. So, Absolutely. you know, I'm a, very, I'm a very optimistic fan when it comes to the Eagles. And I tend to, for whatever reason it is, be a pe- more of a pessimistic fan. Still a fan and love them just as much with the Phillies. But I, I have less belief than in the Phillies than I do in the Eagles. My dad is just the opposite. My dad has more belief in the Phillies all the time and less belief in the Eagles. So it's a pretty funny scene, Sus. I mean, we're yeah. we're, we're, we're battling our own insecurities and, and positivities and negativities every single game. And which brings me to something that I didn't want to bring up because I would be remiss not to bring it up, is that if you if you and your listeners go out and watch game day, and I really hope that you do, you know there's a ton of salty language in it there's a lot of very difficult situations there's drug use that occurs with the family you know it is a very hard look at family it is not a hallmark look at family it is very demonstrative language it's very it's things that that literally you look at disrespect towards parents, disrespect towards children. There's so many things that are addressed in this movie. Not justifying those things, not glorifying those things, but saying exactly what I believe that Christ has said and taught us which is we are imperfect. And looking at this movie is an invitation to say to everybody, this is an imperfect family. Yeah. We are imperfect like you are and this this is a chance for us all to try to make our lives better. And yeah. I think that that's a very important part as artists is to make sure that we're not saying to people, I'm holier than you are. I, I I don't curse. I don't drink. I don't say crappy things to people sometimes. I don't lose my temper. I do all of those things. You know, I I am a... Human being, like everybody else is. And I think that people need to feel an understanding that we're all imperfect. And there's only been one perfect person in this world. And we all know who that was. It sure as heck wasn't Dean Simone or any of the people that are living in this world with Dean Simone. And Dean Simone is living with. So, yeah, uh, we are all sinners and we all do our best, right? Yeah. So I, so then this kind of,
0: I know we're probably going to run short on time, but I'm going to end it with the last question. So you look at this generation today, you know, you look at this current generation and you look at, you know, the attack on the nuclear family. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what, what advice do you have of families that are struggling with kids that are like being disobedient, and you know, kids that are just walking, like saying, you know what? Like for instance, when I was a little kid, I got mad at my parents, and I said, I'm running away. I'm not, or I'm going to call CPS on you guys." Which <laughs> I never, which I never did. You know, of course not. But I guess I uh, we'll get you. Well, right. I mean, well the. I did do this when I turned 18. I thought I could do anything I wanted. So it was interesting because I told my parents, hey, you know what? I'm going to go for a drive. Well, they're like, oh, well, okay. We'll be back for supper. Well, I got back, and then I handed them – I went straight to the Army Reserves recruiter's office right when I turned 18. Um, that was one of the worst mistakes I've ever made. Um, but, of course, that's a lighter that's compared lighter to what other kids are going through. What do you what do you tell listeners or what do you tell like what do you see in this generation that is concerning to you regarding the relationship that you know uh, kids have with their families or they're like being attacked? Well, like, like the nuclear structure of it like for instance yeah, it, no, I, yeah.
1: I, I get what you're saying i I think that the generation the younger generation, 15 teenagers up to 20s, people in their thirties. First of all, I think it's horrible the way that older people vilify and attack younger generations. And act yep. we were better or we were some, sub- those were the good old days. That's when things were right. And we did it right. And you guys are not doing it right. And all this stuff. Okay. First of all, I think that's a bunch of bull crap. I never accepted that. I feel like every generation gives us more hope that things are, that are going to move forward forward and get better i have total faith in my three sons and i have total faith in your guys generation i i i sense you're you're a person who's probably a younger person as well i'm 24 and, well okay well god god bless you man that's great age to be and yes. god bless you and god bless your generation and all the old fogies out there like me and i'm not an old fogey i mean i'm actually i feel you're like a youngster i'm a i'm a progressive thinking person so my viewpoint is simply this Don't fight technology. Don't hate on your kids because they're good on it. Don't say, all they do is look on their phone and text each other and they're locked in. Hey, listen, John Lennon wrote about isolation years and years ago, 1970, on the John Lennon and Yoko Ono band. His first album that he did outside of the Beatles, he has a song called Isolation. Uh, Everybody go check that song out. Listen to that song. It sounds like all the complaints that we make about the younger generation being isolated and away from each other. And they're all on their phones and all of them. And you know what? We're, We're all in a place where we have to love each other, respect each other, be empathetic, be compassionate. Think about what Jesus says when he says, turn the other cheek. Now, listen, again. I feel miserably. I had a massive fight with my mom and dad and they're in their eighties and I'm in uh, pushing 60. Okay. And I had a massive fight with my parents the other night, my kids, I get in a fight with, they get in a fight with me. Life goes the way that it goes, but I'll tell you this much. I love them all. They love me. We're all have, we all have faults. And in this world, we better learn one thing, tolerance. When Jesus says turn the other cheek. He's not saying condone things that are bad. He's saying if evil or difficulties or aggression is going, stop it. Let you be the one that stops it. Let it not continue. Let that cycle not continue with you. You change it. You be the person who doesn't do it. He sacrificed his life to prove and show that point is the only way to be that that's how you resurrect and have a life in Christ and in God is by doing that. So my advice to the nuclear family is you're going to yell at each other. You're going to say crappy things to each other. You're going to feel bad about those things you say to each other. You're going to get past it. You better forgive yourself and you better forgive any other person in that family that you're going against or fighting against and realize that we are all a work in progress and we are all god's children amen there is no perfection in this world so nuclear family however you look and whatever you present yourself to what does it say in the bible My, children love obey and, your. Your, and, obey, and obey your parents but people always live this leave this part out it also tells parents to not provoke their children yeah, standing towards their children, Jesus made it clear that door swings both ways. I miss the point way too often in life. We all do, but the point of the matter is, is those doors swing both directions. Love your yep. parents, Love your children too.
0: Amen and amen. Well, with this in mind,
1: Dean, would you mind closing us in prayer? Absolutely. All <clears> right. <throat> Dear Father, thank you for this time that we had together to share experiences. I hope that anything that Sas or I said is helpful to people on their journey. And I hope that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father spoke through us in some way, shape, or form. And I really hope that and pray that everybody has a blessed day full of compassion and love, and understanding for the people around them, and never quit on your dreams. The Lord puts those thoughts in our hearts for a reason. Keep pushing, and keep knowing, no matter how difficult it gets, that God has got it, and there is a plan there. So if we just keep doing his word, and the things that he wants from us, great things are, ahead for us all so please god put that in all of our hearts and let us do our best through all of our imperfections and in jesus name we pray amen
0: amen amen well mr dean uh i want to say thank you so much for uh tuning in and if anyone wants to find you where can they find you like any uh do you have like linkedin or like
1: facebook or like some website yeah. The best place to go. And thanks for asking. I really appreciate you doing that. Yeah. Please visit me at uh, Dean Simone.net. That's my website, Dean and emails that are sent there. There's, there's an email address on there and you can always contact me there. And I, and I always try to write everybody back that, that does contact me there. You can also find me on Facebook and I am on Instagram, Dean underscore Simone and Dean Simone on Facebook. And same thing on Twitter. And I I would love to talk to anybody and anybody who wants to reach out and have a discussion. And I sure appreciate being on your show, Sauce. And one last thing that I do want to say before we say goodbye. I am blessed and honored to be the lead singer. And, and front guy for the and Cobras, uh, which is a band here in, in Southern California. And we really do our absolute best to spread love and great feelings. I'm yes. in a band with Kevin McShane and Tony Russell and Ed Beardsley. And I just love those guys like brothers. And we just keep going out there. And I will say this, and I want to leave this to everybody. We've played thousands of shows and we've been blessed to play some shows in front of thousands of people. I have always said multiple blessings during the course of the show. One of the things that we do is we yell amen to the audience and they yell uh, amen back. And this isn't just aimed at our Christian people that follow us, but every religion and group of people that follow us. And we always invoke God and that intention in our show. And I will tell you this sauce. We never had a single complaint by a casino, by a city, by a wow. corporation. not one, not one complaint. People want to be closer to God. They want to be inspired, they want that love. So let's keep putting it out there. It's important. Amen. Well, Dean, I,
0: you know, I definitely am going to invite you on uh, for future episodes. You definitely have my full invitation. All we have to do is just schedule. And remember, guys, you're welcome to find out Dean on uh, his Facebook and on Instagram. And don't forget, keep it saucy. Bye.